Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Road Rewind, where we'll be reviewing some of the forgotten and some unforgettable moments to have taken place in the ring. I'm Kevin Byrne, and on this week's show, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Neil Sinky Sinclair, former British and Irish champion, world title challenger, European title challenger, and the man, some are calling the hardest puncher Irish boxing has ever seen. Neil, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Only delighted to have you. Uh, Neil, to be here. How, how have you been? What, what have you been up to the last while? How, how's things going for you during lockdown and all that sort of jazz? No, I, I, I usually go to the, the gym, the local boxing club that, that I boxed in when I was an amateur, Monkstown. And then it closed, so I couldn't uh, I couldn't train. I usually go down and hit the heavy bag because I do that now because it doesn't hit me back. So, I'm, I'm, But I was... I've just been doing a bit of running, but walking and plenty of exercise, just trying to keep myself motivated, stimulated, and all the rest. And, uh, yeah, you must miss the club, miss the atmosphere, the camaraderie down there. Yeah, well, I, I actually help out at night with the, the kids coaching, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so I miss that. It's usually during the day. I usually get the gym more or less than myself, so there's not really much of an atmosphere, but I like going down at nights and taking the kids on the pads and, and such like. Yeah, and today, Neil, we're going to discuss uh, elements of your career from medals you won at, in the amateurs to winning the Lonsdale belt outright and challenging for the world title. But recently we, ha- we had a podcast uh, looking for Ireland's biggest puncher of all time, and we were joined on that one. It was a couple of weeks back. You can find it on our on our channel. Yeah. Uh, by John Breen, your coach, um, yeah. Eric Donovan. <laughs> 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 Ever so slightly. But um, he was... He was backed up by Pascal Collins, who uh, oh, no. knows all about it as well, and Eric Donovan as well, friend of the show. So, did you have did you have the ability to punch hard from the time you started boxing with Glenn Gormley ABC back in the day, or was it something that developed along with your man strength? Um, Costamato said that there was no such thing as a natural puncher. There was a natural aptitude for punching, and that was different. And I just when I was hitting the bags, I always wanted to hit it hard as opposed to just flashy combinations. I really wanted to hit it hard, but I learned sort of, you know, later on to throw the punches in combinations in twos and threes and fours and, and to relax and, and not to go looking for it because any time, even as a professional boxer, I went out trying to please the crowd, trying to 
knocked people out, and I ended up you, you didn't really look good in the you didn't look good doing that. So when I listened to McCorner, the relax and use the jab because I could box as well because I had some success in the amateur. So I knew I, knew I could box. I wasn't just a big puncher, but when I'm using my jab and just letting it all come come into place, if you don't get them in the first round, you know, you'll get them eventually. And if you don't, you won't have quite, I'm quite happy to win on points. I trained, I trained to go to go go to points all the time, but anything was a bonus. And and you know, I've had three one round wins in a, a row, and I've had two round wins, a lot of two round wins. But it wasn't that they were all world class fighters. It was knocking out. They weren't. Most of them weren't. But but there were, there, were, there were still some good fighters there, some guys with good chins, and, and I was the first to stop them or knock them out. And, and so I, I, I took pride in my, my punching power, but I tried not to rely on it as the only thing. I used to try and box, and, you know, I wish I had to actually try to be a bit more, maybe try to learn a bit more defense and stuff like that, but I, I just tried to be, you know. I was always told that, you know, you'd, the ones that were exciting were the ones that... It would go on, and people would it would make money more or less, you know. But then Floyd, Floyd Mayweather turned that up in his head, you know, and, and you know. But so I always try, I always try to be a bit of a crowd pleaser at the same time. Yeah. What was it about? Uh, what was your favorite thing about punching hard? Was it the ability to kind of to equalize the fight that you might be losing, or did you enjoy meeting out punishment and pain? John's John's wife, I think, says that you're too nice to be a boxer. Yeah, but probably, probably, probably there's some guys out of the box would disagree with them. But uh, I just the thing I liked about it was the early nights. You know, the, the, you didn't have to go the distance all the time and have hard fights. Things like that can shorten your career. So I think that it made it made it made life a lot easier if you were stopping guys in one round and two rounds. Still had the train hard. You still still sparred guys. You know, tough good tough spars, but. Usually when the fight came, you know, if I, if I got a one round win, a two round win, I was I was happy. But but if I won on points, I was happy too. But you learn more maybe sometimes when you're you get a guy there. There's there's guys that are all fought some weeks in your appearance and, and such like that. Just they just don't they just don't get stopped. They don't get you know you can't stop them. They just they'll give you a good test and and you learn. But they're just so they're just so tough. There's there's just some guys that you can't stop. Yeah, of course. Um, I was looking over some of the things your former colleagues would have said. I think Darren Corbett said you're the best punching welterweight the British Isles has ever seen. Amy McGee said, I think uh, Neil could knock out a donkey. So, well, so could so could Amy and so could uh, Darren Corbett, especially. Uh, I, I watched Darren. I was in Philadelphia with Darren as an amateur, and and he was fighting some heavyweight prospect from the states, but he he knocked him out in two rounds and. Joe Fraser wanted to keep him. He didn't want to let him go. Back to Ireland, he was uh, trying to keep him, trying to sign him pro. Such was the, the, the impressive left hook that Darren threw to knock out his opponent. Yeah. I forget the guy's name, but he, he knocked him out. And because he was a big guy, he was a heavyweight at the time, that you know, they wanted to keep him there. Joe Fraser wanted to, to work with him. So yeah. Darren, so, and Eamon McGee, we used, we used to spar this guy. Maxim Nesterenko, I had him for a world title fight. I had him for when he was fighting Ricky Hatton. And I couldn't, I couldn't really, this guy's got a great chin. I couldn't really hurt him, even though it was with a with a 16-ounce gloves. But I watched the Eamon spot him one down, and Eamon just threw a left hook and called the guy flush and dropped him. And I was going, I, I couldn't. I, 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 
many rounds I tried to do that, but I never did it. But, yeah. but, but, but sparring and all that is all about learning. I learned a lot sparring aiming. There's a southpaw, because anytime I fought a southpaw, some people just don't like fighting southpaws and, and don't look good. But, uh, but I seem to I seem to be all right with southpaws. Maybe it was because uh, I sparred the likes of aiming and that and stuff. But yeah. that, that's, it's high threes. I, I don't normally... I don't take compliments very well, you know. But, oh. but I, I want to give a want to give a fact that I am. I don't take compliments very well. I probably don't give compliments too much either. But but the, that's nice to hear. And, and thanks and thanks to Peggy Collins for, uh, you know, I wanted to thank him for you know sort of sort of bringing me back a wee bit there and, and mentioning me. I never really thought about. I, I thought about just the last 10, 20 years, but I never thought of all time because I mean, there's been some great punchers, Freddie Gilroy and Dave McCauley and. Oh, so I don't like mentioning names. She always leave somebody out. But I mean, all them, all them guys were big punchers, you know, Darren and and Eamon, as I mentioned before. So it's nice to be up there. It's nice to be up there with the with the better punchers of all time. You know, everyone has their own opinion, and uh, I, I, you know, and John Brainy, he, he he brought the best out of me. So he did. He brought. He was good. I loved doing pod work with John, and and you know, he, he really brought brought the best out of me. So he did. Well, I can play a couple of clips now from John Breen, so uh, just have a listen in. Neil was a fantastic puncher. Like, you know, Neil's a big softy outside the ring, and you never thought he would knock anybody. I've seen Neil knocking guys out sparring. World, world champions knocking, Neil was knocking them out sparring. And I thought just a the sparring were Wayne uh, Alexander, he was a world champion at the time. Neil was sparring one day and Neil hit him. Oh, he's on the place up in the corner on the deck. And I jumped in the ring. I says, Oh, he's on his eyes still open, but he didn't know where he was. And I said, Are you all right? What happened? And I said, Are you all right? I brought him out of the ring. And three days later, he still didn't know where he was. Well, he was over training for a fight. He was over training for a fight. I'm training in Belfast for a fight. And uh, I just kept him training, and then three or four days later, I put him back into to do the pods again, and then broke him into the sport again. Even even now, when I talk to Wayne now, he says, "What happened that night, Johnny? Genuinely, doesn't know." Well, you know, yes. Yeah. Anybody can anybody can punch it like that there and take a person's memory away. It's it is frightening. Yeah. So uh, in that in that clip there, you've got a. Uh, Wayne Alexander just almost losing his memory, uh, losing his short-term memory from taking a punch. I've got I've got another clip here as well. Uh, this, this one's a bit shorter, so I shall I'll play this one now. One second here. I remember one time I wrote something in the paper about talking about Martin Rogan, and I said the second was a harder punch than Martin Rogan. Martin said we rang me up. He said, "Where did that come from? Jack and Neil Sinclair were a harder punch than me." I said, "Martin, pound for pound." I said, "Neil Sinclair." Was the hardest puncher that I took on the pods. I sure big, strong, hard puncher, but again, he was a well to it. You're heavy up. Yeah. I never thought of it like that, John. I say, oh, well. So there you go. You get a sense yeah. that uh, you must have given. Yeah, you gave John Breen a few sore wrists and elbows over the years, I'm sure. Yeah. John, John's a tough man. He had this bodysuit on, but it wasn't like some of the bodysuits now where you wouldn't feel it. You know, John. You could see Johnny, he, he felt it, he felt the, the power, but it, it didn't stop him from letting you do it again, too, or just, or just 
punched it. Great, great on the pods, John was. I really enjoyed doing the pods. You know, it was a real, real hard workout, and you had to be fit. And, and John, John, John was formed to trying to hit you as well with the pads. And the very first time I did pads with John, I left the gym with a big mark down the, the side of my face. But he never hit me again because I was always ready. I wasn't ready then. It was my first time doing pads with John. I wasn't sure that he was going to be trying to hit you back. But he, yeah. he can be tried it again. I, I, I ducked under it and stuff. And but John, John's a John's a tough man. I was up in Belfast before. Um, I was covering the Frampton Martinez second fight, the world title fight. Yeah. And I went along. I was up there for a few days because there was like weigh-ins and press conferences and all that sort of stuff. And I went along to Breen's gym. I did a couple of rounds on the pads with John. And uh, oh, yeah, he nearly yeah. knocked. He nearly knocked me out because he was asking me to show it. <laughs> And I throw it, and then I get lazy immediately because I'm can't I'm not a boxer. Like, and he just <laughs> smack you in the face with the pad, and then you, you have to learn to keep the hands up. But yeah, you I end do, up just because I was dirty on the I, floor. I, yeah, I, my main mission I was uh, I was a sucker for someone throw the overhand right. My left hand was too low, but I I, I got better at keeping it up and yeah. concentrating. I, I got better at that, but I was certainly a sucker for the overhand right until I met, until I hooked up with John. So Neil, in your amateur days, you won some major medals, you, uh, world junior bronze and Commonwealth gold. Is it both of those successes came in uh, Canada? What do, do you, yeah. what do you remember about those, or what's your favourite memory from those days? Yeah, I was thinking I've only been to Canada twice, and I, I, I never, I didn't come back empty-handed. So it's a lucky, it was a lucky country for me. The world, the world juniors in Montreal. Uh, I fought, I fought. I fought in the European juniors early on that year, and, and I, I came up across a, a cracker, all like Setov, world amateur, twice Olympic champion, Olympic bronze medalist. It was one of the greats. But we were both eighteen when we boxed, and I gave him too much respect, and you know, he beat me clearly. But later on that year in Montreal, I fought two fights. I fought. I beat a Romanian guy, and I beat a a Korean guy, and then drew Saitoff in the semis again when I had a bronze medal. And uh, I didn't give him the respect that I gave him the first time. I just came forward and gave him a, a good enough fight. And he knew he was in a fight at the end, but I, I, obviously he, he was too good for me. And, and he, he went on to win the World, the world Juniors and, and the Olympics in Atlanta in 96. But, but so it was a pleasure to share the ring with him. He, he was a class act. But I gave him a, the second time I gave him a better fight, and I, I was proud to win the bronze medal. I think it was the only one from, you know, the home countries that won a medal in the, in '92 in, in world, the World Juniors in Montreal. So I was, I was proud of that. And then in Canada, two years later, again Canada, Victoria, other side, British Columbia. I was, uh, I was in great shape. I, I was, I was bouncing. I, I fought. Uh, I fought a Scottish guy, Alan Malecki, and stopped him in two rounds. I fought a Welsh guy, Carl Thomas, and stopped him in one round. I fought an Australian and stopped him in three rounds. And then I fought the Nigerian in the final, and I knew it would be a tough fight. You know, I'd seen him fight. He, was, he wasn't a bad fighter. And it was. It was a tough fight. I went to three rounds. And then after two rounds, I, I built up a good lead. And uh, Albert Aramaselli, you call him, uh, I built up a good lead. I probably lost the third round, but enough. It was a point scoring back then, and I, and I, and I won the I won the gold, and and that was great uh, to win that. And I, especially as I wasn't really fancied the the 
maybe win a medal, but I wouldn't have been fancied to win the gold medal, I don't think. But I, I got it probably I got a good draw as well, which helps. But I came home with a gold medal and I, I was twenty and it was my first year as a senior boxer and I'd lost the I'd lost the, the Irish seniors that year at that point, Neil Goff and I always wanted to win. I'd won, I'd won various, many Irish titles, you know, as a boy, as a youth, as a junior and intermediate, but I'd never, I hadn't won the, the senior title, which I always wanted to win. And when I came back from Canada, there was, there was Barney Eastwood was interested. He had seen me fight and, and I went down to meet Barney Eastwood with John Breen and he, it was clear he wanted me to turn, wanted to turn professional and I thought about it, but I wanted to win the Irish senior title. I, I hadn't. I, I didn't want to turn professional without at least winning an Irish senior title. And then that, that following year, in the final, it was Neil Goff and I again. And uh, this time, this time I beat him, and not only beat him, I got the best boxer award. So I thought, flipping it can't get any better than this. This is this is brilliant. I've I've won the Commonwealth Games, and I'm now the Irish senior champion, and. Maybe it's maybe it's turn, time now to turn pro, and 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 which is more or less what it did. I was with Barry Hearn, and that year of '95, I turned professional with Barry Hearn. So, so but great memories as an amateur. I really did, and still do. And and when I go back to when I go back to the national stadium, you know, in Dublin to watch fights and stuff, I'm, I'm always always reminds me. I get a lot of nostalgia there. That was my spiritual home uh, as an amateur boxer and uh had fond memories there yeah i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, so obviously you decide to leave the Olympics behind and you, you turn professional, but at this, st- at this stage of your life, some, some setbacks begin to affect you. Uh, obviously, this show is called The Rocky Road because we just yeah. want to sometimes portray the ups and downs that every every single boxer has to go through in yeah. order to get to the top, yeah. in order to get there. Can you tell us what happened to you in the intervening years? Well, in the, when I returned professional, the, the, my first fight in, in uh, Ulster Hall, my pro debut, couldn't have went any better. It was, uh, 
against Marty Duke. I stopped him in two rounds. You know, you get a, you get a, you, you you're expected to, to fight a few. You know, whipping boys. You get a few get a few soft touches on your record. But I lost my unbeaten record on my second fight because I got a cut eye in the King's Hall for Andrew Jervis. I got a cut eye and uh, stopped the fight. And and I I was I was devastated. I, I, it was my first. I, I thought it would at least went about twenty thirty fights unbeaten. That's what I was thinking. Uh, but it was a rude awakening, and uh, it was from like hero to zero. And I was I was lost for a couple of months. And I, I just thought maybe I'm just gonna have to move across the water to to, to continue my, my professional career. If I was going to do anything, I needed to go away and 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 train elsewhere. And and. Uh, I ended up going uh, across across the England to Ramford and, and, and where Barry Heron had his his stable and his camp and the gym and, and the digs where the boys stayed and I went over there and I was training but I was sparring Eamon Lockern who was world champion and I was sparring Silky Jones who was to become world champion and I thought this is great and I was learning and learning and earning and Fighting, fighting these 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 great guys, learning off them, and and I got, and I was winning. I got a few wins over there, and and then in my ninth fight back in the Ulster Hall, I lost again against a a guy called Dennis Barry. You know, it was good for good enough fight, a good puncher, and he beat me over six rounds, six rounds points loss. Although he held me down a few times, and and uh, and then that, so it was back to the square one again, and. It was around in it like this last next two or three months, you know, and but I'd suffered from depression, uh, you know, in earlier years. Uh, something that I, I don't suffer from now, thank God. But uh, but I certainly did around that time, and it might have been accumulation of things, you know, with the boxing, with my professional life, and my personal life seemed to be okay. But but I was just ended up ended up I was in hospital for three months. You know, with a with a breakdown, and and when it came out, you know, I was told I wouldn't box again. But I, I sort of, I didn't, I wasn't taking that for for an answer. And and I had the, I really, I really trained. I came back to train, start to train with Jerry Story, and I'd always be grateful of that time with Jerry Story. I was still, I was still with Barry Hearn, but I trained with Jerry. And I had three fights with Jerry, and it was great having them three fights and training and getting fit. And plus, because I put weight on, and I had to really lose the weight and and get in shape. And I, I got I had three wins, I had three wins after that, after that loss, and and coming out of the hospital and training, I had three wins. And and my contract then it went, I'd run out with Barry Hearn, and and uh, oh, I like Barry, and I was. I was Grateful for a time together, and all well, he tried to help me, and but I thought maybe I'll I'll, I'll try I'll go elsewhere, and and because Jerry he, he was more or less exclusively with Barry Heron, I I hooked up I, I sought out John Breen, who who became a trainer, and we worked with a couple of different promoters before before finally we went over John I and, and Barney Eastwood went over to meet Frank Warren to talk about, you know, getting a contract together and, and signing with him and, and, and getting the world title fight hopefully at the end of it. And, and we came back and I ended up signing with Frank Warren and we did say, you know, you come with me, I'll get you get you a world title fight. 
and uh, I, I, my first fight with my first fight was with Frank Warren was against David Kerr on the Joe Kozagi undercard in Wales, and uh, and uh, I was in box well with him. Myself, I, I probably I was probably uh, Frank's first impression of. of of seeing me, it probably wasn't overly impressive. The guys are southpaw as a runner. I won every round, over eight rounds, but I certainly didn't blow him away or anything like that, which was probably expected of me. But but we had, I kept winning and I kept winning. I had a had a good night in uh, in Scott in Glasgow on the Frank on the Mike Tyson undercard against he fought Luis Everest. I was on an undercard and. I was very sharp. I looked good. I had a one-round win against Chris Henry, and and that that was great. I, I really I, I enjoyed that night. That was one of the better nights. Yeah. And I, I fought. I fought again. I fought again that summer against Adrian Chase. He, he, he overhand right. He dropped me in the first round, and I also heard the commentators outside saying that wasn't in the script. And I got up and got myself together. Dropped him twice. In the first round, second round, started the second round, stopped them, and that was that. I won that. And and then the, the Daniel Santos fight would have been four months later in December. So that takes you up the, the That's Santos where we wanted fight. that's where we wanted to go yeah, because yeah. on this on, th- on this show we like to pick one big moment in a fighter's yeah. career. And today yeah. we're gonna we're gonna have a look at the Santos fight. But it just in the previews to that fight, like there's a brilliant article there by Carl McGinty who wrote golf and boxing for the Irish Independent, and he wrote a lot about he wrote a big article about your stay in the psychiatric hospital and your fight yeah. back to fitness and yeah. how I think his intro, his introduction to the uh, article was saying that um, I'm gonna have it here. He says that uh, imagine for one moment that you're a movie producer filming the remarkable life story of Neil Sinclair. Many of the scenes you plan to shoot are either gilded with triumph or darkened by despair. But one stands out from all others for the haunting way in which it captures the spirit of an exceptional young man from Belfast. It is set in the gymnasium at a psychiatric hospital in County Antrim. And like he speaks about how... Yeah, that's beautiful. Talk, I didn't know yeah. that. I didn't know that existed. I didn't know what I was doing. But uh, that's lovely. Uh, I was actually in Manchester before County Antrim. I was in Manchester and then was transferred over from Manchester at this stage 20 years ago you've decided to speak about your kind of mental health troubles and your fight against it and it's very unusual for back then was there a, was there a stigma attached did you find yourself uh, yeah it probably was because it probably was because it's not you know like sometimes it's in the family or but it wasn't it's not, it's not in my family or anything like that you know so but it was probably just a accumulation of different things you know <laughs> Maybe it was in a sport that was too rough or tough for me. You know, maybe amateur boxing. It was more suited to amateur boxing. You know, here, here I'm fighting professionally. It wasn't suited for me. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe that was a factor as well. But it was also a factor in bringing me back boxing and the training and the, and having that something at the end of the you know yeah. at the end of it something something to focus on and and to shoot for and that so so the training aspect and then also the the hope boxing gave me you know because. Because he ended up obviously fighting for the world title, you know, but so it's, it's, it's a bit of achievement in itself. But uh, absolutely. So we look at that date there. It's uh, it's the show is called the Full Monty Two. There's world titles on it, not yeah. just for yourself, but it's Calzaghe, Woodall, um, yeah. and Paul Ingalls on the card, and um, what's his name? I haven't. Uh, Ishan Pickering is fighting on the card. Yes, yes. And that's Sheffield yeah. Arena. 
Paul Engel. December 2000. I got through the movies released that month. We've got Miss Congeniality. Yeah. What women want? Dudes wear. Dude wears my car and Castaway, a decent crop. And uh, the number one at the time is Stand by Eminem. Stand you remember by that Eminem, one? Yes. Yeah. I remember. What, I remember looking at photographs in the Monks Town Boxing Club. And I was like, someone in my dress. There was one of these baggy, like baggy jeans and a, and a hooded top. It was a bit, <laughs> looked a bit too big for me. I remember it was because I was down at my weight or something. The press conference. That's why I was that dress and. And uh, yes. so that was just uh, uh, I mean, back at those, yeah. I mean, that was the style back then, but that doesn't seem that long. 99, uh, no, 2000, no, 99 and 19, no, 99, what we were talking earlier about the, the Matrix in 99, but we're obviously in 2000 and all, and all the, the pop culture around at the time of 2000. Yeah. Uh, Your look uh, was you could have you could have been in a, in the background of an oasis, uh photo or something like that. Yeah, uh, because they, because a lovely I love Oasis are my favorite band named yeah. Gallagher and I, I had like yeah, tried to copy that hairstyle which didn't suit me. I was just try, <laughs> trying to be somebody else and trying I love it like you you touched on Oasis. They were very inspirational for me. Actually when I was in Ramford I was just I had their music, listening to their music, what's the story my glory and definitely maybe and all that had helped me, you know, so so I love Oasis and I wish uh, I wish you get a song. <laughs> like Liam so Gallagher, it would have been all right. The WBO welterweight title is on the line. Yeah. Uh, Michael Carruth has challenged unsuccessfully against Mihailu in 1997 for the same title. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the future, it will be held by the likes of Antonio Margarito, Paul Williams, Miguel Cotto, Manny Pacquiao, Tim Bradley, Floyd May- Mayweather, and currently by Tim Crawford. So that's the kind of company yeah. that belt has kept in the intervening in the years that have passed since. Um, yes, yes, the WBO. The WBO took a while to gain the, the recognition and respect of the, the other three, the WBC, WBA and RBF. But, you know, like St. Nigel Ben, uh, Chris Eubank, Steve Collins, they all, they all made it made it popular and, and uh, it it's up there with it. With the other titles, uh, so I was I was, I was proud to, proud to get my chance, proud to fight for it. Uh, wasn't given much chance. Uh, had a puncher's chance, albeit yeah. Had a you, you hadn't you hadn't fought for the British or the Commonwealth title at the time. No, no. As you as you as you and Santos meet in the middle of the ring, um, Ian Dark comments on it. Uh, he's in commentary for Sky that night along with Glenn McCrory, and he says, "What must Neil Sinclair be going through mentally now?" What was going through your head before that fight? Uh, I, th- I, th- I think I think I might have let the occasion get to me a bit. Yeah, I don't know whether it was an ex- an experience or or not, but uh, I just felt in a bit of a daze the whole that whole night just before even waiting to get picked up to take us to the the arena and and in the dressing room. It was just the whole just the whole player really. Uh, the time when, obviously, when when I was coming out, I came out first, being the challenger, and then Santos came out, and I was watching him coming in the ring, and you know he he looked every inch, you know, a champion, and and looked the part, and, and I knew I knew he was a good fighter. We, we actually talking going back to that uh, World Junior Championships in Montreal, both of us got bronze and in the, the light welterweight so we were both on the, the bronze medal podiums together and I'd mentioned this in one of the press conferences before and 
reporter asked, Daniel Santos, did he remember that? And he says, no. And I just said, I'm maybe I'm more observant. And then Polly's people were starting to laugh. And I said, don't laugh, because it's going to hurt me, you know? It's going to kill me. But, uh, but no, it was just that I remembered that. I remember we were both in the, the podium together. As a, so I remembered him from the amateurs. And I knew, I knew he was a good fighter. I knew he was a good fighter. But I always give myself, I always, I always give myself a chance, you know. You always thinking, you know. You never know. You know, you get a get land a punch on him, and it could it could be my night. It wasn't the bay, but yeah. yeah. I'm still glad I took the chance, you know. So I'll play I'll play a couple more clips now just to prepare us for the big fight. When you called me up about this interview and you told me that we're going to be speaking of hard punches, the first person actually came to mind was Sinky Neil Sinclair too, because you know I was lucky enough to be around the same a little bit before Neil. But I remember him fighting on cards with my other fighters. And I remember even going to Belfast at the John's gym sometimes to spar yeah. with Neil. But Neil wasn't just a big puncher. Neil was a very good boxer. So yeah. Neil could be boxing it. And he'd always set you up for a punch. He wouldn't just go in, throw big bombs, hopefully one would land. He'd set you up. And the punch that he didn't see coming was the one that Neil would knock you out. So I, I think, and, and as John says, pound for pound, you know, he's, he's top three. I would have to say of the biggest yeah. Irish punchers, you know, uh, I, I remember his world championship fight. He had the champion on the ground and yes, I actually sir. thought it was going to be fight over. And to yeah. do that for a really good fighter, um, like yes. Neil fought that night, you know, to do that shows that he has serious power. Speed mix, I, you know, I've seen yeah. boxers, uh, with speed in their hands, speed in their punches. And once they hit the party is away, you want you, I've seen a punch, coming from Neil Sickler again when he fought Daniel Santos. Uh, Santos, he put Santos down, but then Santos got up and stopped him. So, again, Neil had much of power, but Jenny, he would tell you himself, Jenny, Ben Alexander, much of power, Jenny, you know, most of the big punchers weren't able to take a shot themselves. Yeah. Eric, there's a bit of irony in that as well. Like I, I, I know what John is saying there. I know, I know some boxers who have absolute dynamite in their hands, but they tend to have a bit of a, yeah, you know, a weak chin as well. And then you got the opposite. The guys that can't punch are the guys that can take the shots. You know what I mean? They, they, you know, it's kind of a, a real um, uh, there's an irony to it. You were able to give it, and but. The ability to take it that night was maybe your downfall against Santos. Uh, he put you down first, uh, midway through the first round, and then you put him down with about 10 seconds or 15 seconds to go to the bell. Uh, what was your feeling when you went down at first? Well, it, it just sort of, he just came forward, and I, I was just that. There, there was some nights, that if I, there was a night like when I fought Bradley Price and stuff like that, I could take it again. I was, I was on, you know. But that night, you're, you're quite right. It, I, could, I could, could be knocked down by a fellow. That's the way I felt. I didn't feel strong in the, in the dressing room. I, I trained very hard and got great sparring. But I just, I just didn't, I just didn't have it that night. I'm not saying, I, I'm not saying I, I didn't have a good chin that night. And all the other nights, I had a granite chin. I didn't. But just that night, it was. It was because he, when he when he came forward to throw a few punches, didn't really land. I just sort of fell over, and the referee started counting, and and then the the action resumed, and I, I threw a double jab right hand, no conscious decision to throw him. I just stood next to him, and he's on the deck, and 
on the seat of his pants and it wasn't the I didn't think it was even that great a punch and he he, he was like I say he was on the seat of his pants and he took a knee and was listening to the referee counting the eight when, when he would when he would get up and, and, and he, he did he got up and he, he's a good pro he, the bell rang he, he, he regrouped and, and knocked me out in the second round did you, did you dare to dream at the end of that first round? Because you did. You said it wasn't a great punch, but it was it was a hard, accurate right hand to the chin, yeah, and you no, put it down. It, 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 it was a good shot. It was the timing, and then and the uh, you know the the accuracy was was good. But I'm just saying, as as far as power goes, if I had a third more of a powerful shot, maybe he wouldn't have got up, or maybe maybe he would have tried to get up and fell fell over. <laughs> I but, uh, it wasn't the bay. It wasn't the bay. You had a bit of a delay coming out for the second round. Um, I think it was getting the gum shield in or whatever. I don't yeah, know if John, John was playing silly beggars. Ian Dark said, oh, no, Ian Dark says, he's got 75 seconds rest here. So. No, it wasn't John because I didn't need the, He needed the rest more than I needed it. So it wasn't like Anslow yeah. Dendy. He was ripping yeah. the glove of Cassius Clay when he fought yeah. Henry Cooper. He obviously needed to become Muhammad Ali. But. Uh, but it wasn't like that. John was like, it was the, it was a guy outside. He put the he put the gum shield in his pocket and forgot about it. Right. And then John, because John was effing and blinding me, you know. And then he he found the gum shield and we got it in. And then, you know, he he knocked me out with a left hook, a southpaw. Yeah, because you had you'd gone from a little bit, put him into the corner, and you'd thrown, I think, a, a big left a big left hook. The Santos complained it went around the back of the head. He yeah. kind of held on to you, and you thought, well, oh, maybe Sinclair has the momentum here because uh, yeah. he, he's, he's throwing his punches. And then Santos just managed to maneuver in, and he yeah. did. He planted you on the chin with a left hand as well. He did. He you, were, did. you were knocked straight out pretty much. You, did you I think was, you could get yeah. up? No, I didn't. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't, didn't feel a thing. I didn't know about it, anything really. After that, I did, a, I did an interview and uh, afterwards with... with I think it was Adam Smith, but I don't, I don't remember doing it. I have no, re, no collect, recollection of it. And and then the dressing room, I, I was a, I was a bit fuzzy, you know. And then a bit disoriented, but then I just I, I got myself together and said, right, stuff this, and we went out. And, you know, we went for a, an Indian and we had a few drinks, you know. So I just put it behind me. It was yeah. it was one of those things, you know. I took the chance and it, it, it didn't it didn't pay off. I thought it would have did better. I thought if I had been, if I had fought like, even the the way I felt that night in uh, Hampden Park, you know, if I fought if I fought the Santos that night, I'm not saying I, I would have beat him, but I would I would have liked to have went the distance. I would I would have preferred that. I would have loved to have went the distance, or you know, and. Uh, Ian, Ian, Dark, Ian Dark said after the Santos fight, he said about you, he said for him the dream dies, as we were saying the other week, Rocky really is for the movies. Which yeah. seems uh, seems harsh oh, almost, no. uh, you know. But no, yeah, yeah, no. But I, I can I can take it. It's it's okay. Uh, but they're the dream, you know. I, I, we were offered the fight and we took it. And even though we hadn't I hadn't fought for a domestic title before that, to maybe break myself in and get myself used to the bigger fights, the pressure and stuff like that. But it could have paid off, and that would have been. Uh, that would have been a great thing, uh, but it didn't. And you know, fair play to Santos; he, he's a great champion. He went up, he went up a weight soon after that, and won a won a, won a WBA title, light middleweight. And he, and he, 
He also he's, he also holds two wins over a guy you mentioned there, Margarita. So no, so he was no slouch. He was I, I lost a good fighter, but I, I thought I would have did better. I would have liked to have did better. I would have liked to have, you know gave him a bit of a fight, went the distance and stuff like that. But I, I didn't. So, but uh, but I must I must have learned something from that night because uh, uh, maybe about ten months later I, I won the British title and you know by knockout and had three defenses of it and they all went inside the distance. So. I might have learned something from that. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. Yeah, because like you went on to have a, a great domestic career. Obviously, keeping yeah, the Lancet yeah. belt, and you won the Irish title against Henry Coyle yeah. by knockout, and you beat yeah. another Irish guy, Derek Roche, in, in a couple of seconds. Uh, that was that was my that was my that was my that was my first defense in Leeds. You know where he was based, and uh, he is is a good fighter himself. He actually holds the Lancet belt outright, and he was he was coming back for. Another crack at it, and he was my mandatory British challenger. And I, I, I boxed well that night. I ended up what ended that fight was uh, like a left uppercut to the, the solar plexus, and yeah. he, he went down. I, th- I think he says that you know he his head was clear, but he just couldn't feel his legs. And yeah, and that's so that was that was a quick night. That was another quick night, and and which was good because they were they had us like having this big war. This was going to be a war, and a tough fight. I, I don't want to be in too many of those. So no. I was glad. I was glad when he went around and I have the record for it being the, the fastest British welterweight title fight in history and its hundred odd year history. So I was glad. Yeah. I was glad. I was proud of that. It was nice. And the, uh, we'll we'll wrap it up soon, Neil. And I'm so happy no, that you I'm came on. Came on to join us. Did, do you, do you have any regrets about not getting to? Win a world fight for another world title, win a world title again afterwards. Did you feel that you had the ability to be a world champion, considering the names I mentioned yeah. that followed uh, that followed as WBO champions, such as Mayweather, yeah. Pacquiao, you know, Terence Crawford? Like? Yeah, welterweights, welterweights a hard division. It's, it's always been a hard division, but I'm sure there was worse world champions than than, than me. Uh, I'm sure there, you know you need a, you need a bit of luck as well. You get a bit of luck, and you get the, it just I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I, I'm proud of the British and Irish titles. I always wanted to win the Irish pro title as well. They go with me amateur titles, but but they're not winning a world title. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a uh, it's a uh, you know if I'm finished business, I'm finished. Yeah, if I'm finished business with that, uh, uh, I think I should come back and and try and win a try and win the, the undisputed welterweight title. You know. Starting with the WBO and. <laughs> you know, well, so. well, you look at like you look at. That night, that night in Sheffield gives you everything you need to know about boxing. Like uh, yeah. Joe Kazagi is fighting in Sheffield against Richie Woodall, but Joe Kazagi yeah. ends up going on to be a, a superstar. You know, he yeah. fights yeah. in Las Vegas, uh, bows out by beating Roy Jones Jr. Whereas Paul Ingle, you know, he, he leaves yeah. leaves the ring that night yeah, on a stretcher and has to have brain surgery. That's another thing. Like, I mean, that you know, thankfully that wasn't me. That wasn't me getting carried out. Uh, grateful for that. Grateful it didn't get hurt, and I've still some of the faculties left, you know. So it's not, too, it's not, it's not too bad. But, uh, but yeah, but it was still, there's still, there's still a, there's still a void there. It's, it's not uh, complete, and it was obviously not winning the world title because I did, I did believe I had the ability and the talent, and and maybe the, maybe the illness and that the setback, maybe it was just too much, but. Uh, too much of a mountain to climb, but but I'm still glad I give it a go and 
you know, I'm still still relatively proud of, of my career. I wouldn't watch many of my fights. Uh, I've got God give me a DVD of a lot of my fights and I've watched some of them, but I don't really go back and watch. I don't really watch many much boxing in general, but but uh, I, I, I still I still like like to think uh, I'm a fan of the sport. You know, it 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 it, it, it gives me it gives me a lot and and. Uh, who, who do you like these days? The bangers or the boxers? Who's who? What? Which ones? I actually, uh, I actually started like in the. I actually started like in the boxers because uh, I mentioned Mayweather earlier. I think that's the way to do it. He, he was his own man. He, he boxed and especially as a welterweight, he, there weren't there weren't too many ex- exciting fights. But he was he was getting paid. He was getting paid multi millions for you know for just basically boxing. And then I I, I would have earlier on I would appreciate the likes of Pernell Whitaker, who he wasn't box office much either, but he. A great head movement and a great defense, and but historically, I always liked Leonard as well. He, he, he could do it all, and 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 De La Hoya I liked, and and now, now, now I don't really, I, I couldn't really tell you too much about today's boxing. I know, I know that I know the main the main players, not Tanj Crawford and Lomachenko and that, but uh, but my favorite era of the boxing came was the eighties and the nineteen eighties. That was like. You know, you Leonard, Jerome, Hagler, Hearns, and a young Meg Tyson coming up, and that that was just that was just a great era, the eighties, and and uh, so so. But no, it's a great sport. It's a great sport. Uh, you know, it's uh, and it's in good it's in good shape. Pardon the pun. You know, the Irish boxing's in great shape, and amateur and pro, and you know, it's good to see. It's good to see. Yeah. And look, you've won your biggest fight as well after being told by doctors that you'd never fight again. So, oh no, no, that it just shows you. You know, you, you put, you know, it's mind, mind over matter and 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 self and belief, really belief. Uh, you know, although I would have said that I was, I was actually a lot more confident before it. You know, I, I became ill. I was a lot uh, in the amateurs. John, John, people were were. Uh, couldn't understand why I wasn't, you know, didn't have that confidence, that self belief. But uh, but I did at one stage, you know, and uh, I'm uh, yeah, relatively relatively confident confident now as a person. But uh, but something something maybe it just it probably took something from me that that as well, you know, the yeah the confidence and stuff, you know, which which you can imagine would do, you know, if uh, you know if you're relatively sensitive to that sort of thing, yeah. Well, I know when I said uh, that we're we're going to have you on the show, we got a lot of correspondence from people excited to hear what what you're up to these days and yeah. just to hear some of the tales from your boxing career. So, Neil Sinclair, yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Oh, and, thank uh, you, thank you, Kevin. I was uh, I was glad uh, glad you asked me to do it. And just this last this week or two, they actually gave me a wee, a wee bit of a boost because you know you I'd read John Brennan told me a couple of weeks ago to say he'd, he'd done your show and what and he was what he had told you about me and and then and Peggy Collins, you know, read the your son, your colleague, that you know, and that was that was just a great read of him. The man people that came up to me or, or phoned me or told me that they saw it and and that was that was just great. So I just uh, I'm grateful for that, grateful for him and uh, and I thank you and for uh, for talking to me and you know, I mean, I hopefully, hopefully, do it again in the future sometime.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 